welcome to the Moving Forward podcast uh, with, uh, uh, well, I'm your uh, co-host of three co-hosts this morning, afternoon, whatever time of day you're listening to this. Uh, my name is Corey Cottrell. We got my buddy Rio Verdenier in the house. Hey, guys. I've been talking on the internet all week, right? Just in case you're wondering why I sound extra specially like loopy this morning. Uh, and again, it's not even morning here. It's afternoon. It's two o'clock in the afternoon while we're recording this. I've been covering the hearing. So ten hour days, right? Yeah, it's long. Some longer. (laughs) Like we, 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 we broke the record for, uh, for hashtag coffee by doing 12 hours of impeachment hearings uh, in a day. Uh, what I'm really excited about is we're actually talking about the debates today with our buddy, Seth Underwood, who has the sexiest radio, radio voice, uh, 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 anywhere on YouTube. Um, and is also like a super smart guy. Uh, cause honestly you could have a Trump supporter with a radio voice. I would kick that fucker off this podcast. So, uh, Seth, thank you very much for joining us. Um, hopefully, uh, you guys, uh, uh know everything about what happened on the debate. Cause I only caught half of it. You know, I know it all. It's all good. We're Beautiful. Here. Awesome. Yeah. I, hear- I, I watched the debate twice. <laughs> Did you really? Okay. That's awesome. Thanks for, uh, yeah, d- doing, uh, doing the homework for, for this. Well, episode. actually I only watched it once. The second time I listened to it while I was running on the beach. Fair enough. Fair enough. I was actually looking for it online and uh, it was the Washington Post debate analysis, but I only saw post debate analysis. I was like, well, I don't want to watch a lot of people like just talking about it after the fact. And it wasn't until like 30 minutes before this that I noticed. No, no, that's the Washington Post actual debate. Uh, Oh, that's uh, that's quite. So, I mean, our our uh, our guy got very little time, uh, not shockingly. Uh, but apparently, I mean, I, I saw most of what he had to say. Uh, and as usual, he just like uh, knocked it out of the park every time he opened his mouth. I'm pretty sure that he has had the fewest minutes of yes. speaking time by a every good chunk. Single, every single debate. Yeah. I think um, the last I one don't... he actually did a little bit more than Gabbard. But yes. You're oh, right. did he? A little bit. Just a yeah. little bit. Yeah. Gabbard? Yeah. Oh, Is yeah. Gabbard? Oh, no. no, yeah, no I think no, we're keeping that. No, screw it. We're keeping Gabbard yeah, no, for now. For now yeah. Gabbard. Gabbard and, and Patreon. And pa- <laughs> Against and <But>. Burry. <laughs> Those damn guys buried it. They buried the report. Rio, I actually really wanted to talk to you about this because the last time that we had uh, this discussion, you know, we were talking about a concerted effort to... Uh, to, to like be against Yang. So right now, obviously, I think yesterday Yang actually tweeted himself, hashtag MSNBC fears Yang. Uh, I was just looking at a tweet right now where it showed like data analysis from the debate watch time. The first 20 minutes and the last 10 minutes were when viewership peaked and then it just kind of like slumbered off after that. So the, Yang didn't get to speak for the first 31 minutes at all. It's insane. Oh, I thought he spoke like 15 minutes into it. From what I've seen, it was 30, 31 minutes in. That was his first word. But let me, I might need to double check that. Okay. Well, and in any case, you know, the, here's the thing. Like, um, I remember I was talking to AJ, who does the bear cave with us, pragmatic progressive. He's, the, he's one of those, those progressive Democrats who hates MSNBC and thinks MSNBC is in the bag for the establishment conservative Democrats like me, right? I mean, <laughs> That's what I am. Now. As somebody who watches MSNBC <laughs> all the time. Can confirm. I'm actually not sure I believe that anymore. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I think I'm starting to think, I sound a little, I feel a little kooky saying this, partially because of the way that they're treating Yang. And also because of the way that they are really being quite nice to Bernie Sanders. Um, Are they? I think, think, well, relative to Yang. Yeah. I think, I think that there is, might be some truth to the fact that the MSNBC really is kind of lefty now. I think so. 
I don't think that they are. I don't think they're they're right wing Democrat. Well, no, they're 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 centrist establishment Democrat. And when and when I say establishment, I mean there there are large political coalitions that have become part of the fabric of the Democratic Party, and it it is now unmistakably true that Bernie Sanders and his coalition are are enmeshed in that. So you know, yeah, it, it's, okay, it's, that's they're, point, they're a little bit more used to it, right? Whereas Andrew Yang comes out just with good policies, like oh, you're adorable, you don't have, and and we talked about this in the media thing, right? Like it really, it's it's less about some nefarious thing. Although, honestly, I'm starting to think MSNBC is doing it on purpose. The number of times they've left his name off Chirons and all that kind of stuff. It's incredible. For, and, and, you know, listing people that have, like, less than 1%, uh, uh, you know, instead of Andrew Yang. It, it, it's really, really nuts. But it really is about the relationships that these people are developing uh, with the, the, you know, that when I say establishment, that's what I mean. Like, Bernie yeah. Sanders and his whole team now have established relationships within that media environment, and obviously yeah. the rest of the candidates do. Yeah, no, I actually think you're, I think you're right. And it's kind of like how Fox News suddenly is um, pro-Russia and against laissez-faire capitalism. <laughs> <laughs> right? And what happened? What changed? Oh, the Republican Party moved left under Trump. And now Fox News, because they know that they make money by preaching to the choir and telling their credulous viewers what they want to hear, yeah. um, that's what they're doing. And so that's probably what's happening with MSNBC, too. The Democratic Party has moved left, and therefore MSNBC has moved left. And it's all about making money. I don't even, yeah, I don't even, I don't even think that they moved left. They've always been sympathetic to exactly the same things. I think the Democratic Party has moved very far left in recent years. No. So you're saying that you think Yang is further right than they would like to? Oh, yes. So how so? I'm interested. That's in that's the thing. Like it, this is what this is why if we never talk about the left right dichotomy, I'd be really really excited about it. Because it's a I shitty think, way to talk about this. It doesn't make any sense. Mm, mm. Okay, I actually want to get back to the debate, but really quickly. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Here's <laughs> the thing. This is um, I, I actually watched um, what was his name? Chris Mooney um, did a lecture about the Republican brain, which the science of it was pretty damn good. And he also talked about the democratic brain, but something about his lecture that drove me crazy was that he used words like conservative and right and Republican as if they meant the same thing. And then he used the words Democrat and left and progressive or liberal as if they meant the same thing. And those words, while they overlap in some cases, are not synonyms. Right. right. So and, that's what yeah. I'm pointing. The reason the reason I say right and left is precisely because I recognize that that is not the same thing as Democrat and Republican. Hmm. Yeah, and and I get that. The reason why I keep pushing back on us using those terms is that you and I get that, and no one else does. So well, it, our it, listeners it, get it because I have. You've like, been drilling it, and I, I get I'm that. Which is like about it every other episode, so okay, which is fine, right? So our audience <laughs> is going to have a more nuanced view of this. But when we talk about why people are, you know, calling the the MSNBC left or right or or or, or centrist or whatever, that's where the, the it starts to break down because literally their entire audience. The, like the ninety nine percent of it don't think about it in terms uh, that are that are exacting the way that we talk about it on this podcast. I mean, yes and no. I, I I think I've definitely seen mainstream pundits talk about how the Democratic Party has moved left. I mean, it's pretty yeah, obvious. but they're wrong. Like that's the thing. Like they by <laughs> it, also like the Democratic Party moving left. Like it. it the, when was the last time the Democratic Party wasn't for a version of universal health care? Okay, Corey, Corey, Corey. Would you say that Bernie Sanders is left of Hillary Clinton? Yeah. Okay. So 
insofar as Bernie Sanders has more influence in the establishment of the party than he used to, it's clearly moved left. I mean, as, as a gestalt, maybe, but I think that that has been in the party writ large the whole time, right? The Democratic Party has yeah, been as left so- as it is now. They just were bringing on people like Clinton because they wanted to, to, uh, to win the presidency. I actually don't think that Medicare for all is a good example of what I'm talking about, because you're right. Hillary Clinton supported universal health care in the 90s, right? Which is something that the lefties who attack her never want to admit. But it's true that she was she was she's been standing up for it pretty much as long as as Sanders has. Um, What a, a better example of it moving left would be on things like trade and foreign policy. But anyway, let's talk about the debate. So <laughs> I, saw, I saw that Todd Graham, who is uh, a, a well-known, highly regarded debate coach, right? So he trains people to, he trains candidates for a living to be better at debates, okay? He wrote a piece for CNN uh, right after the debate where he graded the performances of everybody up there. And he gave Andrew Yang... A fucking A, bitches. Not only that, but he said, he said, I gave Yang a, an A on every single one of his answers, and I've never in my entire career ever done that before. Now, in the same article, he also did the same for Buttigieg, didn't he? Well, he gave Buttigieg an A, but he, but he, <laughs> but I'm guessing that's because he averaged out to an A because he did not say what he said about Yang, which is that like literally, I've never seen that before, where I gave, gave him an A on every single answer. Of course, he does acknowledge that Yang spoke less too. <laughs> so uh, yeah. I guess it's easier to do. He didn't say a lot, but every answer hit it out of the ballpark. They were mm. all a home run. So that was the thing is I, I did kind of see a lot of people saying that it was Buttigieg and Yang who had the strongest performance going through this debate. So what is it that Buttigieg is doing that Yang is not in terms of like how they're represented in the polls? Pandering to old white people. Is that it? I, <laughs> I mean, honestly, like he's... Well, he's yeah, old people especially. Yeah, I think Yang, his no, strategy... Pasty, <laughs> old, white people. Hmm. I'm like going to Corey finish this thought before I elaborate, because <laughs> I think I agree, but go ahead. Okay. Like, and all the, all the polling's showing that, right? It's, he's basically hitting all of the notes, uh, but with a bright, shiny, uh, uh, you know, optimistic uh, uh, kind of side thing, right? So it... it, it and the idea that he can uh, 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 go after Trump because he's actually been in the military doing this thing or whatever. Like, so he's, he's got a good hodgepodge, but he also plays bo- the both sides to, uh, to the vast majority of arguments as many times as he possibly can in, in a way that, you know, old, uh, old well, okay, boomers uh, are, uh, are, are digging. Hmm. I think I'm a boomer at heart. <laughs> 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 I'm not even Gen X. Like, I'm, just, I'm an old millennial. <laughs> but okay, so here's the thing. I think Buttigieg might be my number two. Like he wasn't kind of is moving up, especially if he wins Iowa. Yeah. He might become my number two. I understand his appeal. Um, and here, I think you're right, Corey. I think he's doing a better job reaching older voters than Yang is. Yang's strength has been the internet. Okay. Old people don't understand the internet. Old people don't listen to two hour long podcasts. They just don't. Okay. Yeah. So, He's Buttigieg has the advantage of the fact that the mainstream media likes him, right? Um, but he's also just doing a good ground game in Iowa. He has a lot of money because gay people are loaded. Um, I mean, if you think about it, you've got two people, two breadwinners, and no kids, right? That's a recipe for building some quick athletes. Well, he's actually, he's got, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. 
Um, he's got, uh, uh, I think, among the largest number of billionaire donors as well. Uh, he's been he's been playing that circuit, and it should be noted like he's he's been playing insider Democratic Party politics for a decade, right? Yeah. Like that he was he was second in line to be the DNC this last uh, this last time, so he's steeped in that, right? And knew going forward like you need to you need to live in Iowa if you're going to run for president. He's been doing that, yeah, um, and, and why he's finally starting to to catch on. You know, I think he went up like ten points in Iowa over the last week and a half, which mm. is huge. Like that, honestly, like that that puts him, you know. In, in contention could very well be top three uh, uh, moving into South Carolina. Yeah, I completely agree. Um, the only thing is he may have peaked too soon in Iowa uh, because the debate's like a month later than it was when Obama peaked and they were worried about Obama having peaked too soon. Like once you, you move into, you want, ideally you want to move into first place like right before people fight. We'll yeah, right? 100%. Which I'm hoping is Yang's strategy. I'm hoping that he's, he, since he has less money, he's holding off and he's going to be like you know a couple weeks before before um the caucus he's, like, he's just going to be like i'm going to give y'all money i'm going to give y'all money you want some money <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but like okay rhetorically he needs to be more like buddha judge buddha judge um is i think the most eloquent person running right now he reminds me of obama i think the appeal that he has to older voters is that he is a chance for people to go back to stability i think that the big divide in the democratic party right now and it is largely over age but it's also an ideological divide is that there are people who just want to go back to how things were before we had an incompetent crooked person in the white house yeah and then there are people who say no i want big change i want a revolution down with the status quo and those people some of them unfortunately prioritize that over getting trump out and and buddha judge is doing very well with the people who are like we just want trump out not only not just because we dislike trump but because like we put democracy over policy you know mm-hmm. and yeah. well, everything we're going to release this this episode first but we just did a, a recording yeah. session rio and i talking about impeachment and that really like i get that right like that that that's a, a huge huge thing um and it's exceedingly rational even though there are, you know, extremely huge uh, challenges. That's the, th- that's the thing, man. Like if, if, you know, down the road, Yang drops out, whoever Yang endorses is immediately going to be my number two. That's mm-hmm. true. And, I mean, and, if- and it very well could be Buttigieg, which would put him in an amazing position, right? Cause he's already, he's already, you know, he admits automation is a thing. That's a yeah. huge tick, right? Uh, has uh, said good things about UBI, yada, 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 right? Like that, that you know, and honestly, like I follow his husband on Twitter, maybe the most adorable human on the face of the earth, right? So that wouldn't hurt my feelings either. And honestly, like they talk about pwning the libs, getting a gay guy's president would be just fuck you, every single asshole Republican. So I want to step in on welcome. that point right there. Is okay, that thanks, Adam. Sorry. When you, no, 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 no. You brought up, up there. something. No, absolutely not, because this is the perfect point to actually talk about. I won't harp on the impeachment too much because I know that you guys just did an episode on it, apparently. But, you know, this is the first debate that we have going in um, in such a contested part of the United States overall. We have the impeachment hearings. Gordon Sondland, I think, testified earlier that day, dropping the bombshell. You know, there was a quid pro quo. I don't think the country has ever been more divided than it is right now in this week. 
And so what was really interesting is the first moment that Yang came through in this debate was where he threw a bone to Steyer. Steyer, yeah. I'm, I'm saying all of their names wrong, but um, he threw a bone to him and said, well, listen, I want to defend him for a quick second, kind of playing up the fact that he's not there to attack people. That's not been his game whatsoever. Yep. And I, I, I feel like there's probably a large portion of the country that does want to uh, bridge the gap and get a little bit close together. When you, when you mentioned the pasty white old people that Buttigieg is appealing to, it was a little surprising to me because last time we were discussing this, you said, uh, well, one of y'all said, we were not going to elect someone who, who allows a penis to be put inside of them, right? Whether it's a woman or a male, this is a divisive thing. I, just for the record, I definitely didn't say that. No, that was, <laughs> that was, I said, I think I was actually, I think I was, I think I was more crude than that. I said, Americans don't like people who like put dicks in their orifices or something like that. It was something wow. along the lines of that, but, but you know, to some degree, I kind of do see it. Uh, homosexuality, it's, it's unfortunately, there. is still kind of a dividing factor when it comes to uh, the yeah. hardcore right and the more ultra-progressive left. So do we see Buttigieg as being a candidate that could uh, bring unity? I, yeah, so I think that to Rio's point, I think that the same kind of special sauce that Obama had that like, oh, he's black? Right, like that, you know, obviously mm. was and still is to the best of my knowledge, um, but had that ability through through rhetoric and and even just like a, a, an easy capacity to to inspire in the moment, um, managed to shepherd people past that, right? Mm. Um, and I wonder now too, like it, that if you're if you're a, a, a latently misogynist male who is a Democrat. Um, Maybe a strong, like, kick-ass military combat veteran uh, gay guy is still better than a woman. Yeah, and it's like people said Obama doesn't, d didn't talk like a black person, right? Right, <laughs> but yeah. They, he spoke. I mean, he, he, Obama is just like Buttigieg. He's, it's obvious that he's very smart, very well-informed, very educated. Um, and, and Buttigieg is reassuring to, vo to voters who care about that and who think, oh, for, please just let us have somebody dignified who respects the office, who isn't going to get in Twitter fights with Barbara Streisand every other day. You know, Unless it's about gay stuff. Just kidding. I, he, and well, and you know, his, he, here's the thing about the gay thing. I actually should clarify it a little bit more. Even a majority of Republicans support same-sex marriage now, right? Yeah. Um, and of course, there's a difference between supporting same-sex marriage and being okay with having a gay president, right? Um, but polls also show that most people of both parties would be okay with having a gay president. And um, the, the, the most, most hated minority in America is actually atheists who could not, win an, could not get a majority of Democrats or Republicans. Um, but I'm screwed. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. That's one of the many reasons I will, will not run for office. Um, but so Buttigieg's challenge is actually going to be not persuading Republicans to be okay with him being gay, although that will be a problem for him in some states that are more socially regressive. Um, but it's also going to be a problem in the primary with um, blue-collar voters and African-Americans who tend to be more homophobic. He's, he's polling on the bottom with African-American voters in South Carolina. He's going to have that, a hard that's, time. That's why I brought up the white pasty voters thing. It's actually also because black people don't like him. And that could be yet, right? Like that, that, that there's a lot of factors there. Right. But um, one but, thing black voters care a lot about is electability. And if he wins Iowa, that will help him get some of it. 100%. Right. Like that, that, that's going to have, uh, 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 
and I, we've been saying this from the jump, right? Whoever, whoever is in the top three in uh, uh, New Hampshire and Iowa, that's your race. Everybody else is basically screwed. So Seth, I wanted to, uh, you mentioned Yang defended Steyer. So for those listeners who didn't watch the debate, basically what happened was Steyer was attacked for being, um, for being rich. And Yang was like, dude, like this guy has been spending his money fighting climate change. I don't think there's anything wrong with having money and spending it the right way. He even took the principled stand of saying, we actually, you know, if rich people are going to spend their money in, in ways that are really, really good, we need to be okay with celebrating that. Or I'm paraphrasing, but literally like it, it was actionable, right? Like we have to be okay with this. Like, otherwise we're basically shooting our allies in the foot. And I love the fact that, and I, I get why, cause they were kind of doing, finding the weakness and going straight to that. Like they did with Tulsi Gabbard and she did not do well. You mean Gabbard? Gabbard. Gabbard. That's so much better. Waiting uh, for Gabbard. <laughs> you know, Rachel Maddow asking about terrorism, and he did what exactly what I would want him to do. It is literally 100 times more likely to die in a car accident than to die of terrorism. And he immediately went to the existential threats that we actually face, uh, being uh, uh, you know, climate change and income inequality and all these things that are really, really actual problems. He just well, immediately and, pivoted. And, well, and also, I appreciate also, that a lot also actual forms of terrorism you know like he, he was pointing out mm-hmm. like terrorism could be technological terrorism in yep. fact that that's the, the the greatest threat that we face is technological terrorism and he, so he brought all that up and he 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 first of all he did before he pivoted he answered the question he said well we w- we should classify white supremacist terrorism as terrorism right. because it's not being right now right now yeah. apparently trump thinks that only brown people commit terrorism and white people just are lone wolves whatever the fuck that means <laughs> that's the entire republican party it's not just trump well now trump basically has taken over the party so you're right but they, like honestly they were like that under bush too so there's two things that i wanted to bring up when it came to what he did when he spoke about steyer for the moment um in terms of the unity aspect that i was bringing up the the other person to address steyer was biden on the stage and he talked about uh Biden like started to attack Steyer and it was just in a perfect juxtaposition to where Yang kind of threw him the bone uh, where I, okay. So I just want to first go back a little bit, me going into this debate. I only know that Steyer is a, a wealthy person that he um, has spent a lot of money to get his name out there onto the stage. So yep. that's the only thing that I knew about him. I didn't know about his uh, philanthropy in terms of climate change his activism. So it sounds to me like from what I've learned from the debate is that he used to be an oil magnet of some sort or involved in a, uh, Coal. Coal. Yeah. Okay, coal. Uh, and, and then he kind of d- did an about face and he decided, oh, I'm going to atone for my sins in some way. So Biden later on in the debate attacks Steyer for that spending earlier on in his life, yeah. whereas Yang had taken the initiative to actually defend him and say he's, he's doing something right with his money here. Yeah, um, I don't think it's just that Yang is trying to demonstrate that he's a nice guy. I think that he just stands up for his values he's consistent he's principled he doesn't buy into the far left idea that wealth is bad right he instead believes that wealth is good that wealth is uh, the goal should be to generate more wealth and to make more people wealthy um and we're not going to accomplish that by vilifying people who have already succeeded even Um, beyond all that it's just consistent with the way he sees the world that's what i'm saying Uh, i think i think beyond not necessarily beyond all that but what i got out of it is you know, Biden's literally pissing on the people that, that uh, you know, are going to have to uh, uh, start spending more on this. We were talking about taxing them either way, right? Um, and, you know, leaving the door closed to allies. 
right? Like while I am super harsh about people who still support Trump because I think that at this point they're basically irredeemable, the people that voted for Trump initially and are spending the rest of their lives trying to fix it, here's looking at you, Joe Scarborough, I, you know, and you might not have voted for him, but you had him on your show every oh, day, that every guy's so day. That guy voted for Hillary Clinton and orgasmed the whole way through it. And honestly, fine. But he literally gave, he gave uh, uh, Trump more airtime than almost anyone. So fuck that guy. And, okay. and now granted, to that point, he's also spending most of his time now trying to make up for it. Hmm. We, like, we have to leave that door open, right? If you're going to be a coal magnate and you make billions of dollars in a capitalist system that you're obeying all the rules, you're doing what you're supposed to be doing, even though those rules are shitty and the system is shitty and it should be their way, it's not your fault. Right not, now not you're spending that. all your money, not only doing that, but, and I just want to bring this one more thing. Like he's doing a lot of the climate change stuff. He said in the debate, he, you know, is building one of the largest ground games that has ever been seen. That's true. Right. And not only that, but Greg worked for it last in, in 2018, they had more people on the ground in, uh, in 2018 than we've ever seen before. And largely that was because of, uh, of Steyer. So, I mean, yeah, it's, and, it's um, real. Scarborough also, Scarborough also le- left officially left the Republican Party after Trump was elected, and, ma- and made a big deal. He like went around and did late night talk shows and and said why and everything. Yeah, so, yeah, he's he's one of the good guys. Um, so yeah. let's finish talking about Buttigieg, and then oh my god, let's talk about Biden, right? Okay. Yes, yes, okay. Like so, oh, Buttigieg Biden. did something that was very risky, but I think also he had no choice but to do it, and you could tell he was kind of reluctant to do it. Because he wants to do the Obama thing. The Obama thing was like, I'm going to play down my race. I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because it makes people uncomfortable, right? Um, Buttigieg, by and large, has been doing the same thing with his sexuality. But he does have a, a problem with blue-collar blue voters and black voters, most of whom happen to be blue-collar, right? So it's really mostly a blue-collar voter problem. Affluent African-Americans are not homophobic. Um, but... He, so for him to solve this problem, what he had to do was he said something. He said, like, look, I don't know what it's like. Obviously, I don't know what it's like to have grown up black in America. But I'll tell you, in like, what's going on in my heart, the reason that I care about that issue is because even though I have no idea what that's like, I do know what it's like to feel like a stranger in my own country. I do know what it's like to be the, the target of bigotry. And I'm, for that reason, I'm very devoted to standing up for the rights of everybody, right? And... It was a risky thing to do because it was it was putting sexuality front and center, but also kind of had to be done because it, he, he he it's not enough to just win Iowa. He needs to get the he needs to get those black votes. Yep. One of the powerful so, things that he said was, I, "I know what it's like to turn on the news and see like my rights being discussed." And I, like that, that, that spoke to me as someone who is just kind of, cause I do live in a deep red state and uh, I'm just, I'm outside of that sphere of conversation. And he, I think he did a good, good job all through and through uh, making that statement there. Yeah. He, 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 I mean, he, he deserved his A and so did Andrew Yang. <laughs> they both did a good job. Uh, really, really, really great. And um, also to Elizabeth Warren's credit, she recently has said that she's clearly more open to pursuing a, possibly a UBI. So I would put Warren and Buttigieg both on my radar as people who might make Yang a VP. Probably not. Actually, Warren very well might. Yeah, Buttigieg Warren might. Probably choose a woman. But like either one of them could put him in their administration and maybe make it part of their policy platform. So that's something to keep in, to keep in mind. All yeah. right. So Biden. What the fuck, Biden? Like his opening statement made no sense. He looked like he was asleep. I mean, I was literally screaming at the TV. You have to be awake. 
Like, this is the debate. Be, a, be awake. <laughs> and if we're juxtaposing him Joe. with Buttigieg and that. him Sleepy Joe. And oh, man. Right. That's funny. honestly, that's, that's why those, like, shitty nicknames work. Yeah, it's true. Uh, almost too well. The shifty shift. I hear shifty shift, and I'm like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's a great, well, that's a great name. That yeah, that's wrong because shift is a freaking lion. I just came off watching literally every millisecond of the impeachment hearings. The if it was me, and obviously I'm never going to be anywhere near there for good reason. I would have killed Nunez many times. Mm-hmm. Like just reached over next to me and literally shoved my fist into his eye socket a bunch of times. Uh, and shifted anyway. She was awesome. <laughs> uh, okay, yeah, I know. I, yeah. I, um, I moving yeah, on. I, I don't. I do not believe that Schiff is motivated by partisanship. I, not at all. There are Democrats who who clearly are, um, but you can tell by the way he talks about these issues that he takes the subject of impeachment very seriously, and he has a he his concern is for the well-being of the rule of law and and democracy in this country. Yeah, but it doesn't matter because he's got a nickname, Shifty Shift. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. Yeah, so Seth's point is, unfortunately, Trump's nicknames work. And, and boy, Sleepy Joe, man. Like, if, you, if, you're, if you're the nominee, you need to not be sleepy. Please. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know, like... Remember the first thing I said about Biden? Before you go on stage, do whatever it takes, man. And this is why I still, I maintain, of the top three currently, he'll be the first to drop out. I think you're probably he right is a about crappy that. candidate and he has always been a crappy candidate and can only win in his tiny little local market for Senate, which he's had locked up for a long time. Here's the thing. Like I'm old enough. I'm actually fairly old now to remember him running for president before. And it never works because he's bad at this. Mm-hmm. Right. He's like, I believe is a genuinely good person who thinks that marijuana should still be illegal. <laughs> Idiot. Right. But that's like, he's okay. Boomer. He's like the classic. Okay. Boomer. He means yeah, well, he's, but he's thinking, you know, and now never mind the fact that he's all, you know, touchy feely or whatever. He just, he's not good at this. Yeah. Yeah. He's so let's segue from, from Buttigieg making his really good statement on how he feels marginalized in that way. And then Biden trying to kind of do the same thing and say, well, listen, I have the best outreach in black communities. And then he makes the biggest gaffe that he's made up to this point and said, uh, I have the support of the only black woman in the Senate. And, and like Kamala Harris is standing right next to him. <laughs> I didn't hear that part. I didn't... And she That's goes, incredible. She's like, you're Wait. completely wrong about Wait, that. What? <laughs> She's like, the other one is right here. Oh, God. Audience She's not in the Senate right now. She's on this stage right now. But he gave so... away the illusion in the same moment, too, as he said, because I am the most recognizable. He literally like said that. And it's true. People trust him because they know who he is. And yeah, he's playing he's... the Obama's friend card. Exactly. But he said it like he said it out loud. He was like, people know. Uh, (laughs) I just might be electable despite all of his flaws, kind of like Trump was electable despite all his flaws. Yeah. Um, And and he he would do well in like the Midwest swing states, the blue wall that Trump took over. So, uh, yeah, he might. I don't know. I'm not I'm not convinced that he wouldn't. No, he, he would, would. He would beat Trump. Like all the polling on that. Would he really, beat him really like consistent. a drum? <laughs> no. Well, he's the thing. Like I, I say that, but he is not Teflon. You know, Biden, mm-hmm. right? Like the 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 number of things that Biden gets away with, especially now in this context where Trump is a thing, would be more. But I'm not 100 percent convinced that he wouldn't be able to stick his leg all the way down his throat because he can. 
and well, not and, and, and when it comes when it turns around that he just tries to deny it and play the stupid like the trump just like worst jedi mind trick in the face of the earth democrats will not buy that right yeah. they're just not going to because we will burn our own trump's strategy is really to convince enough lefties to stay home or vote for a third party candidate by convincing them that the Democrat is just as bad, everybody's crooked. Yep. Yeah, Trump's a traitor, but Biden's son worked for you know a corrupt organization in Ukraine and false equivalency, false equivalency, false equivalency. Well, that's Ivanka, Jared, what like that? Yeah. You know, that's ridiculous. Yeah, but no, but like it's not. It's like, but his point is, he, he really just wants to make it. He he's like his his case is to his base is I'm the greatest, I'm the best ever, right? Yep. And then on Facebook, targeted ads to black people and blue collar, like blue collar whites yep. in swing states saying, yeah, both sides, great, both sides, but, but yep. the other, but the other guy's bad too. 100%. That's and it works. That we works. Have to, we have to now factor in the fact that the impeachment hearings are happening right now. So we, we have to think, okay, it gets to the Senate. The Senate doesn't convict. If we imagine the same thing happened at the end of the, the Clinton administration and he actually got a, a boost from the fact that he did, was not convicted, right? It gives the appearance that, oh, well, nothing wrong actually happened. Suddenly, Trump's entire message, if, that, if, the, if this is the case, which I, I'm assuming will be the case, he's not convicted. His entire message at that point is look at the, the entire hoopla that was yeah. made about this, right? And that's unfortunate. I think Biden. That, well, that. hold on. I got to push back on all of that because that's not oh, yeah. how this is going to go. All right. Uh, all right. The, the Clinton thing, he lied one time about getting a blowjob. It was already tenuous. The polling mm. on that was always tenuous. The polling on that never moved. Right. So we had a very, very good opening position to have that argument after okay. the fact. They already tried this with the Mueller report and what the polling has been saying about them, like basically saying the Russia hoax, uh, blah, 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 blah. The, all the polling on that is now like trending towards people actually understanding that there was in fact something going on. And the fact that we're doing this now is, is, is very, very serious. I agree. The likelihood that they're going to get 20 senators to jump ship is really, really small. It's not zero, but it's very, very small. We have to assume that's not going to be the case, especially considering Mitch McConnell is going to be running the Senate hearings and Lindsey Graham's going to be there. So it's going to be garbage in garbage out for sure. Right. Um, but the polling number on, on whether or not he should be removed has only been moving in one direction and likely will only move in one direction. I agree with that. Um, <clears throat> the best case scenario, polling wise, is that the you know Trump's approval ratings you know have been pretty solid. There's like Bad. a thir there's like thirty three percent of the population who is one hundred percent certain that Trump is the second coming of Jesus Christ. Yep. Right. Those people are never going to turn on him. But there's like another ten to fifteen percent on top of that which is at least somewhat persuadable. And Trump is not going to get any of the people he's lost back. Right. For that group. He, and Agreed. it does seem to be going in the right direction, so to speak. But it's going to have to go really far. It's going to have to go. He's going to have to lose another nine points. Well, I wouldn't consider convicting him. I wouldn't say nine, but it's, it's, it's a lot. Cause I think the last, um, I think the highest that uh, removal got was 56% in a poll. And of course you got to do the averages or whatever. So, you know, we can call it 54, uh, uh, 55. I do think it has to get like Nixon got to 58%. 
when they did the the perp walk up to the White House and the Senate told them to get the hell out. Yeah. Um, I think it's going to have to be 60-62. To your point, it was like, a less, like, unfortunately, it was a less partisan and polarized time. Very, very um, much so, right? But it, yeah, they so still have to I suffer the calculus only, of winning the Senate. I think the only number that matters is Trump's approval rating among Republicans. And that number, he needs, needs to go down significantly. I, I disagree because the, the, in, in a congressional race, you can win on your base. In a Senate race, you can't, right? Oh, well, it, okay. I mean, if you're a senator in a swing state and the approval well, polls are really high, then that's a different story. And there's a bunch of new swing states. If you get to 20 senators, though, it's gonna, his approval rating with Republicans needs to go down significantly. Mm. It would definitely have to go down. I don't know about I don't know about significantly. So, um, how, what do we think about how Harris did and her little exchange with Gabbard? I she ripped her guts can out. We call her Harris. <laughs> no. That's weird. Oh, Harris that and Gabbard had the total full-on sparring match, right? Yeah. yeah. What, do guys, what do you guys think of that? I feel like Harris won. Because, yeah, like, unless you're a Tulsi Gabbard supporter, in which case yeah, but you if you're a Tulsi care. Gabbard supporter, that means that you're a total isolationist and you don't care about Russia. And you honestly, well voting for Trump, honestly, at this uh, point. like, and I know, I know, there's even a lot of progressives that are in that party line. If you want to, like, literally shove your head up your own ass and realize that Russia literally took Crimea, they're trying to take the Ukraine, they're literally screwing over every single normal democratic country on the face of the earth, then seriously, like, do more reading figure this out it's an it's a real issue like you know rio and i are, are going to be uh, talking about the, the conversation we're going to release pretty soon uh democracy over ideology because without democracy you're screwed that's literally where you're going for and I, I i am a pacifist all the wars that have happened recently i'm against literally all of them right i'm for them <laughs> well fine right i'm absolutely against them and because they were all illegal and you know to you know uh, uh the majority of them and Gabbard just wants to play on that saying, hey, listen, we all have to come home. Never mind, you know, if a few hundred thousand Kurdish people die, that's not a big deal, right? Yeah, Gabbard, and literally absolutely. goes back channeling and talks to Syria, who is gassing his own people. Yeah, no, no, Gabbard is not a principled person who's opposed to war on principle. She absolutely is a Russian. She's being groomed by the Russians. Yeah. was right. She absolutely is. 100%. If you think about it, ask yourself this. Is she really trying to get the Democratic nomination for president? No. Is what she just did, like going on Fox News and attacking Barack Obama for four years and then attacking the Democratic Party now, right? Doing that, is that a good strategy for winning a Democratic primary? It's, it's not. It's a good way to sell books. Now, so if that's not to her the point, goal, I just want to add one thing. What is her goal? What is her goal? Uh, yeah well now i think i think there's momentum behind it and if it's a if you have a plausible case to run for president you just do it um i believe that with tulsi gabbard it started as a principled thing i do believe that but uh, an inarguable truth is that on rt right now the democrat that is getting literally 10 times more favorable mentions than anyone else is tulsi gabbard i think it's even more than that it's ridiculous right like they have their favorite. And the reason why they have their favorite is because she literally wants to leave Syria to just allow the Syrian president to do whatever the heck he wants. Because honestly, the, and it's still about oil right now, which is really, really irritating, but it all boils down to the fact that Putin is literally the client uh, uh, boss of Syria and she's doing his bidding in exactly the same way that Trump is doing it now. Our enemies love pacifists. They're their favorite people. Mm. 
Yep. So here's here's my perspective. I'm I'm mainly like a techno futurist. So I didn't really get involved into politics until 2016, and at that time, Tulsi gave up a pretty high chair at the yep. DNC, if I recall correctly, to endorse Bernie Sanders. So she she went above and beyond out of her way. She to really did. So it's it's so interesting to, to me to hear all of these uh, accusations of being a Russian asset. I can understand foreign policy as like, okay, this is going to benefit the Russians ultimately. We but, need to be, yeah, we need to be careful mm-hmm. with this because a lot of people do the whole Russian asset thing. At no point did I call Tulsi, Tulsi Gabbard a Russian asset. Okay, yeah. yeah. Right? And, but well, that's Hillary the thing. Like, oh, being groomed by the Russians, and I think that's right. Well, think that's here, right. Here, here's the thing. You know, you can, and it, cause they said the same, same thing about Bernie Sanders, right? Um. And because the Russians are doing what the Russians want to have happen. And, right. you know, that's – and it, honestly, it's true about Trump, too, even though they've, they've been a little bit more active. And it's also like, true about Sanders. Anybody who's an isolationist, the Russians like them. And so and, – and, and they, they, they play that up. Where and, – and again, like, mentions on uh, uh, RT, she can't control that, right? Like, if Yang suddenly started getting, like, all these uh, things on RT, we would know that – I mean, who cares? In the fact pattern where – uh, to carry the analogy forward, Andrew Yang had actually gone behind everyone's back through Putin-connected people and fucking Steve Bannon to go talk to the Syrian president to come up with some fancy uh, thing where the United States leaves Syria. Who does that help again? Oh, yeah, Putin, right? Mm. In, in all of that, and giving the, uh, uh, the, the credit that she's due, because I was ranting about Tulsi Gabbard for a long time about the move that she did, uh, 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 you know, leaving the DNC um, you know, being pro Bernie or whatever in, in you know, 2015, 2016, that was a big deal. It was really, really an early big deal. Also, I think now she's caught the momentum of being right. the candidate that Russia has picked and well, she's not playing that very well. Well, and I, I'm sorry, I have to say, I think her endorsing Sanders was just another example of her doing exactly what she's doing right now, which is to try to undermine the democratic establishment. Yeah, no. I totally disagree about I that. I think she's full. I mean, whether, what, maybe she just genuinely believes that it's in the u.s's best interest to help russia but no everything she wants, she's doing including yeah. endorsing sanders does just that because it, sanders was the yeah. russian candidate that was, he was the russian's choice so would you all agree that foreign policy is her her ultimate just achilles heel it's also well, the that's thing. the thing it's she the only thing she money. has right it's, uh. her, it's her thing foreign yeah. policy is her thing it's like it's like medicare for all is for bernie sanders yeah so there's no reason and like the the thing that the thing that bothers me is that i wanted to like Tulsi Gabbard. I think it's awesome that she was in the army. I think she's beautiful. I think sometimes she's very well-spoken. In a lot of ways, she'd make an incredible vice president, right? But her position on foreign policy is literally treasonous. It's like full-on Donald Trump-level treasonous. And and the Russians also like Jill Stein for the same reason. Too. Okay, for the record, that, that I definitely wouldn't go that far. But why think, not? Like, well, and here's the deal. I, I think that you can be a, a, a principled person being a, a, against stupid wars where we go and take over other countries in direct contravention to everything understood in the Constitution as originally designed, right? Which was her initial position. And well, I mean, we all we all support hold Yang's on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Congress needs to reclaim the powers to declare war. Right. right? I, I don't want to get I don't want to get in the weeds there. The, the whole, whole thing is you can be a, the president that power. So right. it is constitutional. That's that's fine. Well, not really. That's a whole argument. Well, I mean, it's up to the Supreme Court. They could overturn the, the law. Again, don't yeah. want to get in the weeds because that's okay. not the point. <laughs> the point is you can have a principled, principled position that is, that is anti-stupid war, right? And be carried along through all of your discussions and conversations or whatever. Like, I, I, I think that 
you know, Russia doesn't come in and say, hey, are you going to do this thing for us? That's not, she's not doing that in a treasonous way. She's doing that from her own position of, of, of being principled. But then having, you know, Russia and RT say, hey, do you want to be a superhero and go to Syria and, and, and fix this whole thing? Of course she says yes, right? But it, again, at, at the very, very harshest, um, you can talk about her being a, a useful idiot, which is the, the, honestly the harshest thing you can say about Trump. Hmm. Because he's not, he's not an asset. He's just an idiot. Thing. You mean the nicest thing you can say about Trump. That's what I mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like yeah. The, the most he's, accurate At a minimum, thing. he's a useful idiot. Whereas you're saying Tulsi at the most is a useful idiot. Agreed. I don't know if that's true. I mean, I, uh, maybe. Like, I, evidence I suspect, is I suspect required. that Hillary Clinton is privy to information that we're not. And when she says she's being groomed by the Russians, I think there's something there. That's possible. All right. So we all agree Harris won that exchange. Yeah. Because, like, again, it's a Democratic primary. That's exactly <laughs> right. Like, so, I mean, what, like if, if it had been a Republican primary, Gabbard would have won, right? But she's mm-hmm. running as a Democrat, and she fucking lost that exchange. <laughs> so in terms of for- foreign policy discussion during the debates as well, that was one of the few times Yang also had a question sent his way. I believe the question was, um, what is the first thing that you would say to uh, Vladimir Putin on your first call? And he took a, a little bit of a moment. The audience laughed, and he says, um, I'm, I'm sorry I beat your guy yeah so in case you guys saw like almost 10 15 minutes after the debate there was a tweet sent from yang's account and it was a uh, a merchandise a t-shirt with that quote on it i don't know if that was a good move or not i was um resoundly good word i mean i i i I think it is like at the end of the day you know with with foreign policy they're trying to get him because he's not an expert in foreign policy the reason why i never worry about that is i know he's an extremely principled person who will talk to the smartest person in the room and listen to them at Mm. every turn right and Mm. also if that smartest person in the room you know if he accidentally puts bolton in that room he wouldn't agree with him on fucking bombing iran right so like there there i i have a high degree of trust just because we've gone through every single one of his principles and i know how he would react to you know at least plausibly to every one of those situations would be fine but he's not going to win any argument saying, Oh, I have a totally fleshed out, you know, a uh, foreign policy thing. Cause he doesn't. Right. Well, he, I mean, foreign policy is definitely notably absent, not totally absent, but it's like relative considering he's the policy guy with like 130 policies at this point. Yep. Foreign policy is definitely his weak point, it, but he, he could demonstrated that he is a well-informed person. Right. Like on foreign policy. He really did demonstrate that. Um, by the way, I, we should mention Yang, as far as I can tell, has gotten almost across the board positive reviews from pundits about this debate. Um, I also listened to, I listened to like NPR, for example, um, said that he came off as like the most human and likable person on that stage. Um, the guys at the former Obama guys who do the Pod Save America um, expressed a similar sentiment. Um, so I think Yang, I don't think it was his strongest debate. I think the last one was the best one he's done. And the, but the main reason for that is because in the last debate, he was more involved in the conversation. Um, you know, he talked to other candidates, other candidates talked to him and about him more than in this one. And I do think he needs to really, but if I was going to give him advice on how to improve his, his debate performance, that's the one thing I would say is that you need to be more part of the conversation than you are. Mm, but yeah. his actual answers to every question as, you know, debate coach Todd Graham said, were spot on. They were smart ass answers he he didn't he, he he didn't he didn't avoid any questions he answered them all directly he answered them honestly and then pivoted and i like that he stayed away from like he barely mentioned ubi hmm. that's and true except good thing, actually right so it's 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 sort of baked in i want to ask you guys a question so 
one of the ways you get more time, it seemed clear to me, is if you mention somebody else. Yeah. Right? So if you, if you come in and you just say, no, here's uh, ideas one through B that will literally solve the planet's problems, which Yang's actually true, um, and you don't also say that Harris is a stupid person, um, <laughs> then they just move on, right? But if you mention anyone else's name, now you're in a back and forth, which is exactly how, like, that's how all the majors got more time. We want to give you a chance to respond. And then right. there's like a chance. And then there's the other response. response. And now, you know, now you're now, now it's a dogfight and that makes for good TV. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's actually the most effective way of getting more time than the moderators want to give you. Yang only took the opportunities to speak that were given to him. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah, he needs and, to be more, but I also think like, being I more a part of the conversation doesn't have to mean attacks, right? right? Like just participating in a conversation with the other candidates would get him more time. Yeah, so this is what I like, like right. I was thinking about in terms of um, when Warren brings up her two percent wealth tax or her two cent wealth tax and Booker took the initiative to say, um, well, we've tried this tax in other places yeah. and it hasn't worked. Work for work verbatim, what Yang yeah. said. Yes. He learned exactly. that from Andrew Yang. He did. 100% yeah. he did. Yeah. So like Yang has said before that his roadmap is that he's not going to be uh, offensive against uh, other candidates until a certain point. And I think that this is the point that that needs to happen because he's, well, given the cards that are stacked against him, uh, that definitely makes sense to me. And on the other point too, is when Warren's bringing up the 2% wealth tax, um, you know, like, no, no, I, yeah, I, I guess that's all I have to say about that part right there. Well, I no, I agree with you, Seth. Um, actually, Yang could have said something um, about that that would have still been on brand in terms of not attacking people. I think he could have said something like, um, I 100% share Elizabeth Warren's goal of bringing more revenue into the government. Obviously, my policies, um, you know, I share, you know, I also support Medicare for all like she does. Uh, my freedom dividend costs money. So I, I completely share her goal of bringing more revenue into the government. Yep. Um, but I, I've just, I'm just, you know, no, nothing personal against you, Warren, but I've looked into it and other countries that have tried wealth taxes didn't work. This is why I chose, I settled on a value added tax, which was also tried in Europe and was 100% successful. And it still exists in the countries where they tried it because it worked. Wealth tax doesn't. I think he could have done that while still being nice. Yeah. Yeah. And breaking in as the, 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 to your, to your point, Seth, I mean, Booker stole that, you know, lock, lock and barrel from Andrew Yang. Right. So having that position to be like, ah, actually, you know, remember when I said I was going to give you the data, here's the data, right? Like mm-hmm. that would have been an amazing moment following up from, from, uh, uh, from the last time. So what I do think we think about how Bernie Sanders did? Oh, <laughs> Who? Oh, yeah. Who? <laughs> uh, when they started talking about Medicare for all, and he brought up the, Oh, I wrote the damn bill again. I was like, man, Bernie, shut the fuck up. Like it, it <laughs> And I, and I I get it's a good it's a good thing for him, but I'm just I'm over it. It didn't it didn't land. Like the first time he did it, like ha ha, he did write the bill. That's pretty Especially good. Now I was like, Warren, ah, come on, man. To Warren's credit, and she she is growing on me. She's definitely left of me, right? Like, I mean, I'm assuming everybody's heard me enough to know that that's goes without saying. But I did I I really respect the fact that she came out with a plan for how to pay for Medicare for all. Yeah. And for how to actually get it done in Congress, two separate plans. And she's pragmatic about it. And she's, she's doing it without raising taxes on the middle class. Boy, that, that is like, that is huge. The fact that she is doing those things. And one of the greatest criticisms against Bernie is that he never like had something substantive to put behind his populist uh, yes. ideology. And Warren has just stolen the thunder 
from Bernie. It feels like to me at least. And it's really kind of interesting because again, the crux of the issue for me going into these debates is like, what are we going to do about the fourth industrial revolution? And it's like Warren has taken everything from Bernie except for the fact of the forward thinking thing, which uh, of his federal jobs guarantee, basically like Warren's got the substance of him except for the future. Of Bernie. Well, that's fair, but the federal jobs guarantee would be a terrible policy. But you're right. At least, at least, at least, Sanders is th- is thinking about doing something about that problem. You're right, right. Right. Well, yeah. and and you know, Warren is a little bit too actually because she did she did say she said like one of the things that I'm open to doing is a universal basic income. And I think that, that I think it day? is the concern around. No, but she said part. in the last couple of weeks. Yeah, and yeah. and I think and again when when they had that interaction, I said. She, like she will be open to the data once it is provided for her. And you can see her soften on that. And, and like the joke was that she only read half of uh, Andrew Yang's book, which honestly could be totally true. Right. So I think, you know, of, of anyone up there other than, you know, well, let's say a little bit more specifically top three, not including Buttigieg right now, because he just got there. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Warren is by far the, the, the closest because honestly like Bernie and Bernie broism period like that, that section of, I'm just going to give this to Rio, the left right now, not being able to figure out that UBI is really, really good. They've literally locked themselves into an intellectual corner from which there is no escape. Yeah, because Warren, their arguments are sh- just not it's good. Not, it's not a fair fight. I mean, Bernie Sanders is a failed musician and Elizabeth Warren is a Harvard professor. Okay. Like there's just, there's no sparring match going on there. She is just squashing him. She's the smart person's lefty and Bernie is the dummy's lefty. Sorry. Hey, also, <laughs> I know I have to personally apologize to AJ for that one. I was going to say, well, honestly, like he I was going to kind of agree with you, but from, he's jumped from Yang yacht to Bernie. What is, what kind of boat does Bernie have? Well, he honestly, it's yacht because he's a lot richer than Yang. That's true. But I like to, to AJ's point, and I know we'll talk to him about this. You know, it really, really is all about healthcare and the, the, you know, wanting to do the, the public option or version of it or the way they want to scale it between Buttigieg and, and, and uh, uh, well, and Yang, frankly, and, and Elizabeth Warren to different extents, you know, that, that eroding the two-tier system, making sure that everybody has exactly the same coverage to begin with yeah. is the actual pragmatic policy way to get this done. It's well, just that- not, it's not politically palatable you know, like it's too easily murdered by, you know, independent thinking or, or you know, whatever, whatever, whatever it is right. in America that that makes you not be able to no, have nice things. That's a that's a genuine that's a genuine disagreement. And I have to say, like, AJ is one of the smartest people I know. So clearly not. All He's a smart kid. Wrong. Yeah. Um, but like Warren does. I mean, I'm I'm somebody who I actually think we should have a public option. I, I oppose outlawing private insurance, but that's not Warren's position. Warren basically has the same end goal as Bernie Sanders. She just has a much more realistic plan for getting it done and paying for it. Okay. I actually hadn't looked, so that's, that's good enough. Yeah. yeah. No, she, she, thing, is, yeah. she is not a public option person. She's full on universal health care, single payer person. This is she just has a plan to get it done. <laughs> is that like, if that's the case, yeah, there's that. There's just no way in hell she'd ever be able to get through any kind of universal basic income in, in, in two terms, if you were to ask me, because that is the predominant type of... Uh, policy proposal but almost I'm, I'm almost more sympathetic to her platform because she just hasn't ruled out a ubi like bernie seems to have that yeah. for me that's 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 make or break right and yeah. again like the 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 federal jobs guarantee under trump would be a fucking nightmare it would be right? a nightmare like, under anybody like, well honestly and we have this argument all the time but like the and and 
Bernie's brought this up, right? Like I know where Bernie's coming from when he thinks about these things in this term, in these terms. And it, it's about, you know, the ramp up in the experience after World War II of having, and, you know, FDR didn't say federal jobs guarantee. He just said, we're going to spend tons of money on stuff and made everything from, you know, all these different government programs where they just did a bunch of stuff. And ipso facto, the job market was flooded with government jobs and the entire economy created the largest middle class in the history of the world. That's what's in his heart when he thinks about that. And I think there's a non-zero probability that he could run a federal jobs guarantee with that and actually accomplish all that stuff and do the Green New Deal stuff or whatever. Under almost anyone else, it could go like lobbyists exist, Mm -hmm. right? And so it would immediately turn to shit. Well, I mean, yes, we live in a different time now. We're much more divided now. There's much less of a sense of like shared, like common, like Americanism, right? Yep. And, and, and there's a lot more resentment. Um, it's just also um, doing that, you know, um, the, new, the, the New Deal like massively drew, like grew the deficit and the debt like mad. But at the time we could afford it because we weren't already insanely in debt. Now we are. Um, and so Bernie Sanders' plan, the reason I say it would be bad, even if, if, even if he does it as opposed to, say, Trump, is because it's so circular to tax labor, especially since he also opposes a value-added tax, right? Right, right. So, like, the only kind of tax he's open to is taxes on labor. Well, that's not if, true. You're going to tax labor. On. That's not true. Well, he's not, he's not willing to do a value-added tax, which is what No, but he is, he, is, he is talking about taxing capital in the same way that you would tax income, which would have... Well, that is I, I haven't done. I haven't done the math on it. Like, running capital gains up to exactly the same levels as, uh, uh, as like, labor income would have a really dramatic effect on income for the, for, for it the would, government. It would also probably be bad for the stock market. But like I said, you know, Yang also supports that policy. And in the case of Yang, I trust him. I think he's a smart enough person who understands economics well enough that I trust him to implement that policy intelligently. I don't trust Sanders to do that. But like generally speaking, especially if he doesn't support a value added tax, taxing labor in order to pay people's salaries in a future where jobs are being automated away and more and more people can only get employed through this federal jobs guarantee, that is a dangerous like feedback loop to go down because you're going to have to keep increasing income taxes in order to keep paying wages. At some point, it's like, why even bother to pay them? You know, then you might as well go full communism and say like, look, we'll just set you up with a house and we'll, we'll give you some stamps you can use to buy food. And that's that. Yeah. Well, I think that too, like Ilan Omar, just uh, as part of the green new deal, they're talking about building a whole bunch of new, uh, uh, you know, low cost housing units that freaks me out too. Right. Cause it, it, it like I love the sentiment. The sentiment is amazing. Like I think you know you should be building tiny homes for homeless people all over the freaking place. But we should be giving regular people the ability to invest in building tiny homes on their own property. Mm-hmm. I honestly that because then because it, it's it's way better. Yeah, exactly. Well, obviously it's, we all agree about that. Well, no, and I want I want to touch on this a little bit. So we have a, a, a Democratic mayor in my little town in Newport Richie down here in Florida, right? Extremely red county, like extremely red county. We have this this Democratic mayor who literally is talking about, um, you know, changing the the way that uh, you know property law in New, Newport Richie works. To because I asked him like, what do you think about tiny homes? He said we, we've been working on this like crazy, 
um, you know, do it. And they talk about uh, uh, sort of on suite houses or whatever it is, right? Like, but, but being able to do that. And he brought up like, this is, this would actually be the best way for me to have the most impact on, on creating wealth for, for people that aren't just, you know, putting the big, huge buildings up in, in downtown Newport Ritchie. That's the way I, I just, I love how that works, right? Yes. It's exactly how Andrew Yang's head is working because the biggest problem with giant uh, government housing programs is that it made Donald Trump's dad rich. Hmm. Yeah, exactly. It's a ha- it's literally taking, it's robbing money from the middle class and giving it to slumlords. That's what it's doing. Or like the ACA, right? <laughs> We're going to cover everyone and hand most of the money to insurance companies. But what Yang wants to do is he wants to do away with uh, regulations that prevent people from building second homes on their properties, mm-hmm. right? And then give people goddamn money so that they can do it. Right. And that's going, to, that's going to lower the cost of housing for poor people, and it's going to grow the middle class. It's going to help people achieve more independent wealth. Yep. Our goal needs to be to have everybody in America start building independent wealth. That's really where, that's, that's key right there. And I, I just think that, I think that Sanders' version of, 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 of solving this problem doesn't have that as a goal. It, it ignores it completely. It, yeah. it, re, it really does. How, what uh, do we think about how Klobuchar did? Who? <laughs> you said the same thing about Bernie Sanders, though. So that yeah, I like- also like uh, like Klobuchar was very, very forgettable. Always has been. Sam Cedar, who sadly I can't listen to because he makes really, really bad leftist arguments about UBI. Um, and I was a Minority Report fan for a long time, so this mm. is really sad. But he did make a really good point on Chris Hayes. Um, basically, they they were talking about that you know uh, uh, some of the people shouldn't be on stage anymore because they don't have you know they one of them even said like you shouldn't use polling for it. I started yelling at the TV. I'm like, what the fuck else are you gonna do? Like, how many people you know at the DNC? That's not good. Um, and so they said you know uh, 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 Steyer shouldn't be able to buy his way on stage. And then he brought up Amy Klobuchar shouldn't be on stage either. She's polling somewhere north of zero, but not really right. And she's bad at it. And now, granted, I should note, because I'm entirely well aware, I'm a huge Rachel Maddow fan, Amy Klobuchar has been her favorite person, I think, in politics for a long time, as someone who could win because she's still stuck in the 90s, you know, uh, swing states are where all it happens. You know, there's a lot of different ways to win. But she was awful. She literally looked yeah. like someone had a gun to her head for the first five minutes. What did you think, Seth? I think she... Okay, well, uh, I, I don't mean to be kind of outwardly mean on appearances, but some of the, like, she shakes when she talks, and I was worried that, like, she's, I don't know, and I don't understand how she's polling so well, or not polling so well, but how she's got the qualifications for the next debate, and because she's actively, in, in this debate at least, was actively, like, pushing against the idea that we could do anything. She was like, we need to be fiscally responsible. We need to there, be... Yeah. There is, there is a, and I've met some of these people in democratic politics here, and I know they exist, you know, in, in, in the Midwest there, it goes to this, to the status quo thing, right? If you talk about uh, Medicare for all people that are, you know, retired and well off and own two houses, don't give a a one shit about Medicare for all. They're worried you're going to screw up their healthcare in their retirement because they're on a fixed income, even though they're all rich, right? Like compared to poor people. Um, so th- there really is that, that, you know, like if we're going to do anything, we just have to be super smart about it. it. It is a coherent position from, from, from older, you know, even slightly more affluent I think, Democrats. Yeah, I, 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 even I, though I disagree. I, I, um, I thought she did well. I think that she's going to see a bump in Iowa as a consequence of that. Um, CNN, I believe it's CNN. Yeah. 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 CNN has, um, they have like people who are actually caucusing, right? come on and talk about it. And she got like rave reviews from these people. Um, Like only one person mentioned Buttigieg who 
we all think did very well in. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody mentioned Yang. People don't think of Yang as, uh, unfortunately, especially partisan Democrats. And, and the thing about caucuses is it's, it's self-selecting for highly active partisan Democrats. And that's going to be Yang's biggest challenge. Klobuchar is doing very well. We're talking about, you know, fairly well-to-do middle class and upper middle class white people hmm. in Iowa who have the time to go caucus, right? She's, she, I think she's going to do okay. I think she's going to do okay in Iowa. I, I, I think she might outperform Yang. Unless, unless Yang does what I would, I'm hoping he will do. Yeah, well, no, unless he gets what I'm hoping he will do, which is wait will. until the last two weeks before and yes. flood the well, other I'm going to give you money. The, the <laughs> energy in the Yang gang is very similar to the energy you know, in the, 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 the Bernie campaign in 2015. And the reason why like, Bernie became serious was because people in the caucuses were just dogged, Right. Because like a lot of it, it takes a long time or whatever. Like, you think anyone in the Yang gang's gonna go home? Nah, right. So there, and and it's it's it goes back and forth, and there's arguments, and there's this that and the next thing. It's a very very community oriented, very very passionate thing, right? That's why we know Elizabeth Warren's gonna do well. Bernie Sanders is gonna do well again. He's got a lot of supporters. So you know, I think that that's huge. Yeah, Yang just needs more of those people in Iowa. Amy right? Klobuchar doesn't have an army. Yeah, I what mean, does Klobuchar have that Biden doesn't? She, well, no, I, she could take Biden voters. I think. Yes. Some of them. Um, I think that would be the lowest hanging fruit for her. She could also take Buttigieg voters and probably some Warren voters. The thing about the thing that she has going for her is that she's like actually like from the Midwest. She's from a swing state. She's like, um, she's, she's on paper. She looks very electable. But I agree with you, Seth, that the shaking thing is a problem, especially Mm. if she goes up against Trump, she's just going to look like she's cowering in fear. And, I think she just has like a tremor in her voice. I mean, obviously everybody's a little nervous on that stage. I mean, even like the most seasoned politician has to get somewhat nervous going up in front of that, you know, millions of people on television. It's, yeah. it's nerve wracking. Right. But I don't think it's nerves. I think she just has a natural tremor in her voice. Okay. And I think, I think, it, I, think I think the beginning, her, she really, well, I think, she, I think some, some of it is, it was, is, is nerves as well. Yeah. But I'm saying, like, even if she didn't have, wasn't experiencing any nerves, even in moments right. where she was very confident. 100%. Yep. When she's on fire, yeah. she still has that, that wavery thing going on that, that is always yeah. disconcerting to me, even when I'm loving what she's saying. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just she's a, one a of the people who said my friend Andrew Yang on the last debate, too. So I think part of the reason people said that, not in this debate, but in the, the previous debate, she said that. I think part of the reason people are doing that is because they were hoping that if Yang drops out, that some of his supporters will move to them if they all you have to do is yeah. say UBI is something that you would be willing to look at very, yeah. very intently. Yeah. And I'm like, better yet, all, you- all, yeah, you're uh, exactly like my friend Andrew Yang is right about the fourth, uh, uh, like, I'll vote for Biden. <laughs> like which is so dumb because you might lose but yeah like it that that's to anyone because i know all the democratic candidates listen to this show if you read his book and understand why we're so vociferously going after this policy and you decide to back it and the value added tax for all the millions of reasons that are very very accurate you will get us all that's hmm. just a thing that's real so if if um gabbard drops out gabbard if, if gabbard drops out um do we think that a lot of her voters would go to Yang since a lot of Yang gang also likes Gabbard? Maybe a lot of Gabbard likes Yang, or do you think it only goes one way? Um, it, it, I definitely see the confluence. Seth, what, what do you think about that? Oh, I think they would all go to Yang in an instant. That's my, that's my feeling from it. Cause okay. I really don't see, I don't see foreign policy as being the primary. It might be for some people, but I, I think in terms of like 
because again, we agree that that's her Achilles heel. I don't see that as their driving overall thing. So like Yang's weakest point is foreign policy. Yes. I don't. Okay. So are the people who are supporting Tulsi primarily supporting her because of her foreign policy? I think it's just anti, anti establishment, anti democratic party. It's um, it's, I think the main, the main reason for the overlap between Yang and Gabbard is because apparently the rarest kind of, of Yang supporter isn't even Republican Yang supporter. It's pro-establishment, pro-status quo, traditional conservative Yang supporters like me. I'm, I am so rare in this group. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, I think that's the main reason for the overlap. Um, And you know what? Yang is probably kind of intentionally being a little vague about foreign policy in part because he knows that a lot of his anti-establishment base probably wouldn't like some of his actual views on foreign policy. He got in there because I think he's a bit more hawkish than Gabbard. Personally, well, I don't he's think got, he's like, there's stuff in his book, he just doesn't talk I don't about think it. He's Hillary Clinton hawkish. I think, I don't think he's reckless. And Corey said something like, I'm against stupid wars. Okay, well, so am I, right? <laughs> well, no, you're not. You're, you're, for, you're for all the people that were backing, uh, you know, going into Iraq and continually droning people, which creates more terrorists. What, than, I, what I would prefer like that, that's just it's factually a, not a good position. No, well, okay, I would, I what I would say is that go uh, um making mistakes and doing things in a stupid way doesn't undermine necessarily the position it just means that they're going about it wrong it's kind of like you could be pro ubi and go about it all wrong right mm. so i would say that that like yang is somebody who really splits the difference like he threads the needle on a lot of stuff so this is pretty characteristically yang but from what i can tell in terms of public statements he's made about foreign policy he seems to be really sympathetic uh, to my perspective but he's also very sympathetic to your perspective, Corey, which is like, okay, if we're going to do it, let's not do it in a stupid fucking way, right? Right. I mean, the, the, he's going <laughs> to look at the good. data. Right, 100%. That's the idea. Right? Like, and, and this is where, you know, you, you while I, you know, I say stupid works, I think that's, that's, you know. A lot of them were stupid. I will grant you that's that. the thing. Like, you get, like, the entire war on terror was completely a failure. All of it. Every last scrap of it has been a failure. Because more terrorists in that respect, right? It just it having a war on an ideology where a bunch of poor people are getting mad because you bombed their house, so you bomb their neighbor's house is never going to work. And and you know, I think I think just on its face, Yang would completely totally understand that. But when it comes to arming the Ukrainians, because Russia is literally trying to put the Soviet Union back together by force, he wouldn't he wouldn't bat an eyelash, and he certainly wouldn't want to uh, uh you know get biden investigated for it right like yeah, there's no, exactly so 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 he is he is more sympathetic to the neoconservative goal right. than gabbard is but she's all but he's also very skeptical and cautious about making sure that we don't do it in stupid ways and if right. he can't think of a smart way to do it then he won't do it he would make but a direct line in my opinion between the neoconservative goal as stated and how to actually achieve the goal, which no mm. neoconservative that I've ever seen in power has ever done. So ever. perfect example here is he was the first person to bring up the, uh, the Uyghur minority in China. Right. And huge. what's going on with them. Yeah, huge. And that was in his foreign policy answer. And he answered it without saying like, oh, we're going to be like some kind of aggressive military intervention or something like that. He said it like this is uh, foreign policy directly tied to how we are doing on the front lines of AI on like an economic power and everything. So yeah, right. like that's yeah. a perfect example right there. Didn't you, or somebody I, else I said, have, I, I'm starting sorry, to think foreign policy might actually be a strength of his. I, he it is it the, could be, it really could be. 
right? And like, like sometimes, like so, sometimes the smarter strategy is to talk about it less. Mm-hmm. Yeah, th- let's be honest. Most Americans don't give a fuck about form. That's exactly that's a, that's exactly what I was gonna say, right? You, the, it, it all ends up being about kitchen table uh, uh, issues. When again, fifty percent of the population of America can't handle a five hundred dollar bill. Whether or not we attack dumb fuckistan is not really you know gonna show up on a lot of their radar. Hmm. Hundred percent. Okay, so I guess the only person left to talk about we talked about it a little bit, but just in the context of Yang Steyer, how do we think he did? I mean, I, again, I, I only caught the first little, uh, the first little bit, but, and I don't think anyone should be able to buy elections. I think it's, that's a really, really bad precedent. Bluebird, go the fuck home. Um, or better but, yet, buy the election for Andrew Yang. <laughs> right. Yeah. That would be better. That's a, exactly go home first. And then, uh, but you know, the idea, and of course I wasn't thinking in these terms and Yang literally took it there and educated me on this in a way that just that reframing was beautiful. People who have money, we can, we can inspire them to want to change because Steyer's literally trying to end Citizens United, and he's right. We can talk about that later, Rio. I know it's a whole topic of discussion we can get into. But he's trying to reform the system so that the kind of things in the life that he is currently living wouldn't be possible to the extent that they were. That, that's I, I, intensely yeah, selfless and very, very smart. And, I mean, I don't think it's going to work, but you know, it, it's, I think it's commendable at the very least. Yeah, no, he's very commendable. Um, I just wanted to, to riff on what you just said about Citizens United and everything. Oh, my. I think part of the reason... No, I'm, I'm going to stay focused on the subject of the debate. Okay. Like, part of the reason that Steyer and now Bloomberg feel like they have to enter the race is because the way that our campaign finance, finance system is set up, the only way that they can really effectively spend tons of money on a campaign is by running themselves. I think you might be right, actually, because they, yeah, it, and it, you can't because they, they literally can, they're allowed to spend as much of their own money on their own campaign as they want. Whereas if they try to donate a billion dollars to Andrew Yang, they have all kinds of legal hur- hurdles they have to go through, and they could get in trouble. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's or to PACs or whatever. Which and then, makes me angry. Like, just let them do it. Just open the floodgates. Let Bloomberg give oh Andrew God. twenty billion dollars. It would be the best you're, thing. For that is the that is the sh- most short-sighted I've ever seen you be. <laughs> All right, okay. Um, so, Seth, what do you think is fire? You know, it's really interesting um, because, like, when I think of Andrew Yang, I think of him as who I would be if I suddenly found a huge lump of money in my lap and I'm looking at the country and saying, okay, like, what are the problems? His conclusions are exactly where I would wind up being. So, like, for Steyer, I don't know. I can't imagine him coming to any different conclusions than Yang. The, the idea that he's like buying his way to the, I don't know. Like, I can't see him as any more serious than Mike Gavel. If you were to ask me, I'm sorry, get gravel. Is it uh, Mike Gravel? Gravel. <laughs> gravel. I like gravel. <laughs> I, I swear. I know more about these things than, uh, than I sound right now, but no. and Andrew Young you is our taco. <laughs> 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 but but really, I, I like I cannot take Steyer seriously. He doesn't have any kind of hope whatsoever, and, yet, and yeah. that pisses me off even more because he's somehow already qualified for the December debates. Well, but. you can you can buy it, but I think Rio Rio I think nailed it. I think you're you're exactly right about this. If you want to spend a coordinated amount of money that is more than what he spent creating his own ground game, um, and it was a lot, right? You run and you could spend as much as you want. I, I think what's that, that end game? 
So well, I think I think the, this, like, imagine, imagine if Bloomberg was the nominee, okay, and Donald Trump spends, you know, a billion dollars, not individual, not personally, of course, because he's a total cheapskate and not even that rich. Um, but like, if you know, super PACs spend a billion dollars on his behalf, and Bloomberg goes in and spends ten billion dollars because he's actually rich and can right. do that. Well, That's and and so I think. If you look at, and I haven't seen a lot of his commercials, but it's, it was clear from his, uh, from his performance, he's not going to attack any of the other candidates. Not really, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it's, it's almost like a, I have this platform. We're going to talk about, you know, I'm the only one at, uh, on this stage who's talking about uh, climate change being the worst existential problem that we have, to your point about gravel. Uh, <laughs> uh, but it allows him to do that, right? So in the same way that Bernie affected the entire Overton window by sh- ramming Medicare for All into it in a way that had never been seen before in 2015, 2016. If you realize that you, you know, uh, created a, a billion dollars worth of wealth by rat fucking the world and you wanted to save it, this might actually be, knowing you'll never be president, the best way to change the conversation for the most people. And obviously he was, he was pro impeaching Trump before, you know, anybody but me basically, right? Because uh, I've been extremely pro and loud about it since about two minutes before the election. Um, you know, it, it, it it might be, to Rio's point, the best way that you can do it just by spending money on it in the actual election, knowing that you're going to lose. Assuming that he doesn't actually start trying to negatively impact any of the other candidates, which no, would destroy that said, this argument. That said, Steyer and Bloomberg need to just lawyer up and donate billions of dollars to a super PAC for the Democratic candidate. They Zero argument, and you should be donating to the moving forward PAC. Oh, yeah, they should give every penny to us. <laughs> just saying. <laughs> Because right. you don't want to be moving uh, back. Seth, let's give Seth the final word since he's the guest of honor today. Good idea. Oh, hey. Well, uh, Corey Rio, I just wanted to say thank you so much for having me back here. Uh, hopefully, we can do this again in December once Yang qualifies. My current prediction was uh, November 25th. I am three days away from having some egg on my face. But uh, November 25th, I said he would qualify by. So uh, here's hoping. I, I, I think we'll be all right. Um, well, he's, he's qualified with one. He has one qualified poll and he needs another. Is that right? Or he has two and he needs one more? What, what he has is it three exactly? and he needs one more. God, the standards are getting high and yet people are staying in. That's another reason why freaking Gabbard needs to drop out. You know what I mean? Like she's hanging in there that, that like every single person who's saying Gabbard right now should be saying Yang and helping him qualify. Whose fault so is that? So Just say her name. Whose fault is it that Gabbard is in this race right now? It starts oh. with H and you, ends yeah. with- Oh my God, it totally is. You're right. Like, like it's like it's a, her attack on Gabbard was like the best thing that could happen to Gabbard. Yeah. Know- she would be gone by now if it wasn't for what Hillary Clinton I think, said. Again, I think Hillary Clinton is right, but she was also right when she called Trump voters deplorable, and in both cases, she shouldn't have said it. It's yeah. not smart political strategy. Right. Stop t- pulling a Corey and saying all the things you're thinking. Yeah, no, I can say it because I'm not running for president. <laughs> well, that's the thing, right? That's exactly, exactly. Don't be like us. And right. while you're right, I can also understand how Bernie Sanders supporters are infuriated that Yang is still in the race. And I can see them asking, why isn't Yang out yet? Because they're they mad, know. They're mad Warren's in the race. They're mad Warren's for in the race. For much better yet. reason. Because honestly, like splitting the progressive vote when Biden's in the race, right? That's, that's why you don't vote third party, but like rendered down to the primary. You might be right. I just, I, I can't see Biden actually, like, I just cannot see him as a threat every time he opens yeah. his mouth. It, I don't think it's either, but uh, right now, the most likely outcome of the first three states is that it's equally split in the top three and Biden wins. 
Mm. Yeah, I think I think Biden is a bigger threat because Sanders is in the race. Yep. Now, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm pretty sure he announced he was going to run after Warren did, didn't he? Like he he, he had the gra- he had the ground game prepared for it for sure, oh. but he kind of like was biding his time on making the announcement. If I remember. Yeah, that. yeah, but but yeah, everybody. So knew I think well, I know I know at least one gung ho Elizabeth Warren supporter who was furious at. Bernie Sanders for running because he's splitting the progressive vote. That's yep. what I yeah. No, I also like uh, Kelly Smith, who I would love to have, uh, uh, she's already agreed to reach me to, to, to book it. Uh, she's a local uh, um, organizer for the Elizabeth Warren campaign is a local kind of political luminary in, in, uh, uh, you know, our politics here in Pasco County and super sharp and really, really awesome, you know, in her own right. Um, but yeah, she's, she's fully Elizabeth Warren and honestly was like looking really, really hard into Yang. And I believe the only reason um, that she picked Elizabeth Warren. Uh, well, there's probably a few. Uh, namely, one of them is that you know wanting a woman president right now is not a crazy thing to want. Um, but uh, just I think electability, like just that that you know she's steeped again in in democratic politics writ large, right? So if you're looking at well, who's electable? Well, there's somebody who literally is building a ground game in Florida, specifically in our county, in our Democratic Party right now. And it wasn't Andrew Yang, it was Elizabeth. Yeah, no, that's the thing about Warren that I find fascinating is that on like if you look at national polls, she's sort of the least electable, it would seem, out of the front runners in any case. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that she could have appeal to enough swing voters in the right swing states that even though she pulls lower in national numbers, she might actually have a better chance of winning the electoral college. And I've noticed that something that Democrats, a mistake that Democrats make, partially because a lot of them want to live in a world where the electoral college doesn't exist, right? I do. Yeah, that's fine. I'm not arguing with that. To your your point, you're going to be accurate about the next thing you're going to say. Like, but we don't live in that world yet. And I think right. sometimes people get caught up in wishful thinking and forget that. Yep. Like we had like electability yeah. ultimately means your ability to win, win a handful of swing states. That's Pennsylvania, really Wisconsin, Michigan. Yeah. yeah. Like the, the line we've heard from Yang over and over and over again, it, it, it's what the pivot of this country's, you know, politics turns on, whether anyone likes it or not. And you solve that equation or you don't. I think a huge part of that, especially now is going to be ground game. And uh, nobody is doing that uh, uh, as much as Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders has been on his ground game for two years, literally, you know, ever since the election. But I think Elizabeth Warren is doing it better. All right. Yeah. All right. So um, what's our prediction? Who do we think is going to win Iowa? I don't know. Listen, I've, uh... <laughs> I don't, even, I don't, I don't like that. I'm, I, I love making predictions. It's 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 too fluid, and it's too close in the upper yeah. echelons. And Buttigieg proved that you can go from a nobody in Iowa, even though he's like got a huge uh, presence there and has for a long time. You can go from from nobody, somebody who's no, nobody's paying attention to, to the top three in Iowa in the space of seven days. So, not not to the top three, to the number one position. Yeah. Well, in one poll, that top. doesn't mean like you know what I mean. You have to take the aggregate. He's not in the lead in Iowa. Okay. Well, that said, I think I think that. You're right. Yang, the, the fact that Buttigieg was able to surge so quickly yep. makes me hopeful that if Yang is smart and does a similar surge closer to the time of the election, that might give him a chance to get third place, which I would like to see. I'd like to see him get at least yep. third. I think that if he got anywhere in the top three, that it would be a game changer in terms of the media coverage. For him. 100%. Yeah, I completely agree. 
Yeah, All right. I've staked everything on Yang. So if you were to ask me, I'm going to always say Yang. My channel's about Yang. Everything that I do is about Yang. So All I, right. I, so I, you heard it here. Seth Underwood is predicting that Andrew Yang is going to win. A colossal. I mean, here's, here's the thing. <laughs> if Yang wins Iowa, the whole country changes. So it, 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 it cannot be like if you're wondering, hey, I have some time. I have some money. I have some anything. Attention. I, I want to volunteer and take some time off. Move your ass to Iowa right now. Go yeah. do it. They're, they're, phone, the, bank? phone bank is good too. Text banking, the whole nine yards. Make yeah. sure though that you're only talking to people in Iowa. And I mean that. If you're yeah. talking to somebody in Nevada, it doesn't matter. Like I get it. It, 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 it. I shouldn't say it doesn't matter, but it matters like a thousand times more. And I mean that literally, right? A thousand times more to be talking to somebody in Iowa than somebody in Nevada right now. That's not always- I've be been tempted case. to move to Iowa just because I, I mean like they get VIP treatment. One million person. You get to meet Ridiculous. every person running for president. In a coffee shop. Four years. Mm. Like, you get to invite them over to your house, and they go. I'm convinced every person who lives in Iowa has hugged Barack Obama at least once. Like, it's just, it's really stupid, but that's the way our system works. Yes, if Andrew Yang could win Iowa. I mean, I'm, I, I'm hoping that he'll get third. That would be amazing. That, that yeah. alone would be Winning Iowa, like, it's a heavy, heavy, like, a heavy like, lift. If he, if he wins Iowa that event that one event would heal this country mm. i think yeah. i guess it really does represent like moving away from this hyperpolarization right it really really does and it means people would hear his message and it would just it 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 would bring us back together again as americans it would be a beautiful thing i agree all right andrew yang oh no no seth you got to say it man <laughs> all right andrew yang is my taco forever and always thank you very much for listening to the moving forward podcast uh, we are so excited to be bringing this to you and we're so excited about the uh the awesome community the yang gang that's growing up around the candidacy uh, of andrew yang uh, if you could Please tag us on Twitter with the hashtag Moving Forward Pod and uh, find and join the Moving Forward Podcast uh, group on Facebook. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>